Welcome to another of the Retire Notes podcast series. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the RetireNotes.com website. I'm in conversation with Anne Graham, CEO and Senior Financial Planner at Story Wealth Management. She's an award-winning financial advisor. Thanks for being with us, Anne. Thanks for having me, Bruce. One of the big fears many have about retirement is the thought of running out of money, outliving their savings is another way of saying it. Is this widespread? Very widespread, and I think it comes to the forefront the closer people are to retirement. So once someone turns their mind to life after work and how they're going to fund their expenses, it becomes paramount. And sometimes that fear is unfounded, and other times it's a valid concern. Yeah, and I guess as they get close, they're just starting to wonder, how will they survive? Exactly. And um, the mechanics of where they get their income from and how things will actually work become quite important in people's minds. So part of the financial planner's role is to just explain how things will work post-retirement, where the money will come from, how all the moving parts fit together. But importantly, it's just showing the numbers and some sort of modelling to show clients that if this happens, then your money should last this long, you know. And there's a lot of assumptions brought into those calculations. But one of our jobs is to give clients choice around their decisions. So it could be that If you wish to have this certain lifestyle that costs X amount, then your money may run out by the time you're 80. But if you want to make some different choices, you have a higher likelihood of your money lasting as long as you do. So, And then we give the client the option of what they want to do then. Which way to go? So this is part of the planning process. Correct. People then have some control and some sort of power over how their financial situation might look. Yeah. Who's at greatest risk of outliving their savings? People that go into retirement with large debt, Mm -hmm. because that has to be repaid at some point. Often single older women, because they haven't had the work history that a lot of their younger peers have had, and they haven't had the superannuation system in place for long enough. And um, people that have come out of broken relationships, it's very expensive to have a separation or a divorce, and it can take a long time to get back on your feet again financially. Yes, that would be because two incomes suddenly become one income and debt on houses, all sorts of things come into it, I guess. That's right. And expenses don't necessarily halve either. You know, and if you've had, say, a typical or, you know, in the past, a typical role of, say, a woman caring for the kids, not having uh, worked very much or at least not in, say, a high-skilled area, if there's a separation or divorce and they have to go back to work. Sure the income's likely to be lower than otherwise might have been the case and so their savings just doesn't build up as quickly. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm guessing for some, $1 million could be spent in a few years. For others, it could last two or three retirements. How do you assess your own personal needs? Well, it comes down to that magic word called a budget um, (laughs) (laughs) or a spending plan or whatever you want to call it. But I think... Often life in retirement or the cost of it isn't a whole lot different to life while you're working. Okay. Particularly in the first five to 10 years. So assuming someone's had their house paid off or they're not paying rent Mm -hmm. and assuming also their children are grown up and are financially independent. So their cost of running a house and some discretionary spending probably doesn't change a whole lot once they've retired other than, say, things like holidays. Often people will want to have, you know, a really exciting holiday overseas. They might need to update their car or spend some money on a house. But after that, things tend to settle down pretty much. 
that's how you might determine your needs is what are your spending leading up to retirement Sure. and sort of consider that those expenses will continue. Another way some people look at is they might just use a rule of thumb and say, oh, look, I'll spend 70% of what I used to spend when I work. That's what my expenditure will be in retirement. Okay, there's that kind of figure in mind. Yeah, yeah. And then the million dollar thing, sort of back of the envelope calculations, if you had a million dollars and it was invested in some kind of portfolio that earned 5%, for example, Mm -hmm. then that's $50,000 a year. Okay. Of growth or income. Now, if you're spending only 35000 then that money won't run out. You're ahead. You're ahead. But if you're spending 100000 a year, then that money will eventually run out. You mentioned housing. Yes. Is it important to own your home before you retire? Ideally, that would be the main thing to aim for because not only does it give you some sense of security knowing that you've got your own home and you're not going to be moved on, you also then don't need to find money to pay rent. Pay rent, yes. Yeah. Typically, nowadays, we're seeing more and more people retiring with a mortgage and they pay that mortgage out either by downsizing their home or using superannuation or some other assets to pay down the mortgage. Yeah. What do you, yourself personally and other financial planners, what do you offer to someone who comes into your office and says, help me to sort this out? The main thing we offer is intangible and it comes down to giving clients a clear picture of where they are, also some certainty around what they can do and some sense of control and empowerment to some degree. We get clients from both ends of the spectrum, some that have very little and some that have more than they'll ever need Mm -hmm. and they share that same anxiety about will I have enough. Even those who have more than they'll ever need. Absolutely, because they have the same fears as everyone else of what am I going to do once my income's not coming through. Yes. You know, they want to look after their kids. They want to look after grandkids. They want a safe place to live. And part of our job is saying, well, what is it exactly that you want? What are your goals and objectives for the long term? So that we can kind of put some flesh around that in terms of time frame and cost. And then this is what you've got. Many people don't understand what their balance sheet or assets and liabilities actually look like. Okay. Many people don't have any idea on what they spend. And so if the very least we can say, here's what you own and here's what you're spending, that gives people a sense of control because they can start making decisions. Then, of course, there's the technical part of the advice in terms of saving tax or, you know, making wise investments decisions and various other things. Yeah. I've heard a complaint about some financial planners that they want to take control of the money side of things. Yeah. 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 Is that usual? Is that what happens? Yeah, sometimes. Some do, some don't. It depends on what their service offering is. So if a client wants to manage their own portfolio, then the advice may just be around strategy in terms of ownership of assets or cash flow modelling or things like that. But if clients just don't want to manage their own money, that's when the advisor might manage it for them. Okay. Now, let's say I've got a very successful, financially very successful uh, uncle. Why couldn't I just go to him and have a chat? What's the advantage of going to someone like you rather than my very rich uncle, which I don't have, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) Well, your very rich uncle or another one is Karen on Facebook. Doesn't necessarily have the experience, knowledge or education that an advisor does. And also that person might be very comfortable with their own circumstances and their own money. 
you don't know if that person's financial well-being has been good luck or good management. Sure. And you don't understand the risks they may have taken. So I think going to a professional advisor has broad experience. You're often dealing with people similar to you. So some practices work in the retirement advice area, others work in the wealth accumulation area, others are very investment focused. So if you go to an advisor that works in the field that you want advice in, you're going sure. to come out with someone who's very well experienced advising people like you. Okay. I wish I had that rich uncle, actually. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. So as a financial planner, do you ever get the hopeless case where there's really nothing you can do to help? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say hopeless. I mean, it might be hopeless in terms of a financial situation sure. compared to others. But if nothing else, people would come out of a conversation having a much better understanding of what their options might be. Sure. And hopefully less anxiety in terms of, you know, it's not uncommon to get someone come in and say, I don't know what to do. I've got nothing. I need to retire. I can't keep working and not understanding, for example, Centrelink requirements or that they can access money that they thought they couldn't access or other things or that they have choices about selling a house and downsizing. But financial planners aren't financial counsellors. It's a completely different skill set. And so people that, say, have very large debt or find themselves in dire situations in terms of, you know, having outstanding loans, being foreclosed on, those sorts of things, a financial counsellor can often assist those people. It's a skill set which includes negotiating terms with lenders around loan repayments and various other things. So that's an area that's pretty well underfunded from the government, but okay. completely different to a financial planner. Financial counsellors may be someone you would refer them to if they're in that yeah. kind of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing the earlier we start on planning for retirement, the better financially. Yeah, definitely. And also behavioural changes can be made early on as well. So it's difficult for someone to change a lifetime of spending habits at 60 as opposed to someone who might be in their 30s making small changes. So the sooner the better. Yeah. So what about the pension? I've heard it called a safety net. Is that how we should look at it? I think that would be the best way to look at it, especially for younger people. So, for example, someone who's 50, to count on getting the age pension when they retire might be a bit of a stretch because the rules will change between now and then. Sure. The age, you can access the pensions increasing to age 67. Yes. So someone who's 50, counting on getting a pension 17 years in the future, a lot of different things can happen. So thinking of it as a safety net is a good way to plan around retirement. Can people survive on the pension? Well, people are surviving, I guess. Yeah, they do. We've got some clients who save. But someone who's 85 on the pension has a different attitude generally to someone who's 65 and on the pension. Yes. Their backgrounds are different. Their life experiences are different. But it does depend, you know, I think it's high 20,000, about 25, 26,000 for a single person, about 36, 38,000 a year for a couple. It just really depends on what your lifestyle is like. Yes, I guess it keeps coming back to that, whatever your situation. Yeah, that's right. And we've got a lot of people who are really happy and content with their financial circumstances and they have just enough to make ends meet. And we've got other clients, like I said, who have a lot of wealth to fall back on and they're not happy. Sometimes that comes down to a mental attitude. It could be health. It could be their family situation, all sorts of things. 
it seems like attitude is as important as having the money in the bank. I think it can be. If you're happy with what you've got and you're not trying to get more or feeling pressure and stress because you think you need more, then much better to be content with what you've got, especially if you haven't got the means to improve it. Yes. Okay, can you kind of sum up, maybe in point form, the best way to prepare financially for retirement so you don't outlive your savings? Okay. Don't spend more than you earn. That sounds like an obvious point, yes. (laughs) Super obvious. Yes. Don't compare yourself to others because you just don't know what their circumstances are. Start early. Even if you're saving $10, $20 a week, it's better than nothing because what you're doing is establishing a habit. Sure. Work as long as you can. And consider easing in or transitioning into retirement. So reducing hours from full-time to part-time to casual, for example, would help. Sure. There's a couple. Yeah. Thanks, Anne. I've been talking to Anne Graham, CEO and Senior Financial Planner at Story Wealth Management. And thanks to you for listening to this retirenotes.com podcast. 